Hello, everyone. I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. A testimony of your story for His glory. It was inconceivable that such a thing could happen. Nice Christian, beautiful wife, successful real estate career, worship leader and teacher in his church. He seemed to have it all. And then, wham, a night of terror that would forever change his life, his wife, and everything they knew up until then. Think hell is not a real place? Think again. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my great pleasure to welcome to testimony in part one of my two-part conversation, speaker and author of New York Times best-selling 23 Minutes in Hell, Mr. Bill Weiss. Bill, welcome to testimony. Thank you, Jensine. It's an honor to be with you. Thank you for having me. Well, it's an honor to have you. You and your wife, Annette, experienced something that very few people will ever experience this side of heaven. And you experienced it while you were still alive. Yes. Can you please, Bill, tell us that story? Yeah, I'd be honored to. Um, well, like you said, first of all, I was a real estate broker and going to work like anybody else. Came home from a prayer meeting that night, went to bed like any other normal night, and I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning to get a glass of water. And suddenly, I was pulled out of my body. Uh, and I found myself falling through the air and down this long tunnel. And it was getting hotter and hotter. And I found myself, I landed on this stone floor in a prison cell in hell. Now, I was fully awake and cognizant. I was not dreaming. I've never had a vision before. This was not a near-death experience. This was an out-of-body experience that would be classified as a vision in the Bible. You remember when Paul was caught up in heaven in a vision in 2 Corinthians 12, 2, he said whether in the body or out of the body, he didn't know. Well, the Lord just happened to show me that I left my body. So that's how I know this was a vision and not just a dream or a bad dream. And, um, I, and this is where I first found myself, in this prison cell. Now, nothing was explained until the way back. I had no explanation of why I got there or why I was there. And um, it, I knew immediately I was in hell. It's the most severe, horrible place. Your mind can't even imagine the horrors. And the heat was so far beyond the ability to sustain life. I wondered, how could I be alive in this heat? I should be dead. But yet, here I was, alive. You have a body in hell, just like you have a body now. Matthew 10:28 says, Fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. But it withstands all this torment. And I was in a prison cell with rough-hewn stone walls and bars. Uh, there's scripture for all this, Isaiah 24, 22, Proverbs 7, 27, Job 17, 16, and many others. But, and that's what's important for people to believe, and not my experience. I'm just a signpost to point people to the scriptures and check those out and, and avoid this place just the same. But um, that's where I first found myself, was in an actual prison cell. And uh, there were demonic creatures in this cell, uh, tearing at my flesh, they had no mercy. Uh, they have great strength. Uh, they just tore into my flesh. I couldn't believe I was living through this. I noticed there was no blood or water, though, coming from the wounds that they inflicted. 
But Leviticus 17.11 says the life of the flesh is in the blood. Well, there's no life in hell, so there's no blood. Mm. And there's no water, like Zechariah 9.11, Luke 16, the rich man wanted a drop, there is no water. I was taken out of the cell, I was placed over next to this large raging pit of fire. This pit was about a mile across with literal flames, it wasn't metaphorical or allegorical, real fire. Psalms 11.6, Psalms 140 verse 10, um, Matthew 13.49, and John 15.6, many scriptures talk about literal fire. And this is where I could first see people. Through the flames I could see people, the outline of people, skeleton form, their flesh just hanging off their bones, burning, literally burning in fire. It was the most awful sight. Uh, you, you just it's so horrible to see this person. They were screaming. The, the, la the screams were so loud and deafening. I wanted to, to get away from the sounds, but you can't. You'll never get any peace of mind in hell because you're enduring the sounds and the screaming. Now, Bill, for the benefit of those that are listening, what did these creatures look like? Reptilish in appearance, bumps and scales all over the one's body, huge jaw, sunken in eyes, claws about a foot long, and these particular two were about 12 or 13 feet tall. Now, I know that sounds like an exaggeration, but there's even scripture for that. Uh, Genesis 6-4, Deuteronomy 3:11, and some others. But they were enormous creatures, and they had absolutely no mercy whatsoever. And they had this extreme hatred for God. They were blaspheming and cursing God. But we know blasphemy comes from the demonic realm. Revelation 13:6 and James 2-7 and some. But the point was, they hated God and they hated me. I wonder why, what have I done to them? But they have an intense hatred towards man and no mercy whatsoever. Bill, what kind of a Christian would you describe yourself as being, quote, before this event happened? I was a dedicated Christian serving in the church and been involved, you know, for 28 years at that point, 41 now. But um, so I, I'm committed Christian. I've studied the Word. I never studied the topic of hell. I had no interest in it because, you know, I was a Christian. I wasn't going there. So I've never had any fascination with the dark side or, or interested in the topic of hell in any way. I'm a conservative business person with my own company, successful real estate company. So this was not comfortable for me to share this experience. I didn't really want to tell anyone. I did tell one friend, and it spread from there. And my wife and I began getting invited all around the country to speak. And then the publisher came to us, and they asked us to write the book. So it's not something I wanted to self-promote. But I was happy to write the book because I placed in there over 150 verses that talk about everything I saw is already in the Bible. So I'm not adding anything, and that's what's important for people to believe, just to at least check out what the Bible has to say. Hell is real, and God didn't make it for man to go there, uh, to that place, but he gives man a free will. Now we're going to talk a little bit more about that in our second segment with you, some of the questions that you are asked most. But what I'd like for you to do uh, in our remaining yeah. uh, few moments here is I want you to continue to describe the experience of literally being in hell and how you were taken out of it. You say right. in your book, 23 Minutes in Hell, for those that may have just tuned in, that you were there for 23 minutes, 3 a.m. in the morning, uh, November 20. What was the date? November 23rd, 1998. You Correct. had this experience. So uh, continue telling us right. your experience and how you got out of there. Well, I was looking at all these people burning and screaming. Uh, the smells are so foul and putrid. The worst odors, worse than any open sewer, and the smell of burning sulfur, which is actually toxic to breathe, it will kill you. I wondered how could it be alive breathing this foul air, but it's even worse than that because there's not enough air to breathe. You have to fight and gasp for even the tiniest bit of air. 
and um, you're exhausted, absolutely physically wiped out and exhausted, and you need to sleep in hell, just like here you would need sleep. Well, in hell you do too, but you never get to go to sleep. So you have to be forced to be uh, kept awake and exhausted. Now, Bill, you said you thought about three people when you right. were in hell. Can you talk about that? I thought about my wife, and, you know, we're very close, and I understood I'll never get to her. She'll never know where I'm at. And I can't ever tell her that I'm down here suffering in hell for all eternity. And I knew that. I knew I would never get out and never see her again. And that thought alone was extremely tormenting to, to never get to tell your loved ones where you're at even. You know, Job 7, 9 says, He that goeth down to Sheol shall come up no more. I understood that. I was not getting out. Uh, there were two other people, but at this point, it's not that important to really point out about them. Uh, it's not that relevant, but my wife was the only one that's really important to point out. But you do have your memory. I thought about my life up on the earth, that it's a thing of the past. And, and you understand you're not getting out. And you said that while you were in hell, you found yourself completely naked, very vulnerable. When you found yourself in hell... Did you cry out to Jesus? Were you able to say his name? I didn't. Um, I was there as an unsaved person. God hid it from my mind. He blocked it from my mind that I was a Christian. Wow. Many scriptures, Luke twenty four sixteen, John twenty fourteen, Luke eighteen thirty four, mention where God hid something from someone's mind for a reason, and he did from mine for the purpose of relating to the hopelessness. See, if I was there as a Christian, which I was, but I didn't realize that, I would have known I was getting out. And he wanted me to experience what they feel, completely hopeless, never getting out. And I understood that. So I didn't think to even cry out to the Lord at all. Uh, I, I was just in so much torment and agony and terror. Uh, every moment, your mind is just absolutely in terror. So I didn't. Ha you don't have time to think. You're just and fear all the time. And the fear level is so far beyond anything you can imagine. And I know something about fear. I used to, I was attacked by a tiger shark and pulled down, grabbed my leg, pulled me down when I used to surf. And that fear I experienced paled in comparison to what you feel in hell. Wow. Um, your book has had uh, an amazing effect on anyone who has read your book. It's being translated into several different languages. We're going to talk more about that later how people can get your book and get involved in your ministry in july of last year uh... you added a bonus dvd set to your book uh... twenty three questions about hell that will be available to those that are listening today in our remaining minute or two here tell us how the hand of god literally picked you out of that pit i was in this tunnel this dark tunnel surrounded by demonic creatures, snakes, maggots, everything disgusting. And I was just in terror, and I was being lifted up this tunnel. And then suddenly, this bright light appeared. I knew immediately who it was. Now, I didn't see his face. I just saw the outline of a man standing in this bright, pure, holy light, like no light I've ever seen. And I just, I just cried out his name. I said, Jesus. And he said, I am. When he said, I am, I, I collapsed at his feet. I went out. And then he touched me, and I came to, and I was there at, the, at his feet that I realized because he went to the cross, I didn't have to go to this place. I was so grateful for my salvation, from what he saved me from. He placed it back in my mind at that moment that I was a Christian, and I was so thankful that I was, that I didn't have to go to this place. 
I was so very thankful for what he saved me from. And, you know, he revealed a piece of his heart to me of what he felt. He allowed me to see people falling back down this tunnel that we came up out of. And people were falling one after another after another. And he wept when he saw people falling into hell. And because it's not his desire, his love is so great for mankind that he doesn't want to see one person go to this place. I couldn't even stand to feel a piece of the intensity of his love for people. I said, Lord, stop. And because the Bible says his love passes knowledge, Ephesians 3.19, and uh, he allowed me to feel that. That's why he wants us as Christians to go and share the truth to people so they don't have to go to this place. And I, thoughts started coming to my mind. I didn't really want to ask him a question, but he would answer my thoughts. And I thought, Lord, why did you send me to this horrible place? He said, because many people do not believe hell is real. He said, even some of my own people do not believe hell exists. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Bill Weiss, the author of New York Times best-selling 23 Minutes in Hell. It's the true story of his account that happened 3 a.m. in the morning where he was literally transported to the pit of hell. Bill, we're going to end our segment with you here and continue next week on Testimony. Thank you for being with us today, and God bless you for the ministry that you are doing. www.23minutesinhell.com for more information and how to obtain Bill Weiss's book. Bill, thank you for being with us today, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Jensine. Thank you for having me. If you would like more information, you can visit our website at jensinebard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. Or write to us at Testimony, P.O. Box 1333, Palm Desert, California, 92261. That's P.O. Box 1333, Palm Desert, California, 92261. I'm Jen Bard. Please join us again for Testimony. His riveting and graphic story of being transported to a place of unbelievable fear, stench, and torment while still alive has been aired on almost every major television network and radio program across this nation, some of which include CBN 700 Club with Pat Robertson, TBN, Daystar, Sid Roth's It's Supernatural, God TV, and Sean Hannity's America, just to name a few. The true account of his story has been translated into several languages, reaching millions with the saving and delivering power of the God that literally saved him from the pit of hell. Here to talk more about that is speaker, husband, real estate professional, worship leader, teacher, and now full-time minister of this life-changing message and author of 23 Minutes in Hell, Mr. Bill Weiss. Bill, welcome back to Testimony. Thank you, Jensine. Again, an honor to be with you. Well, it is an honor to have you. Thank you for being with us today. Bill, in part one of our conversation last week, you talked about the literal hell you were thrown in at 3 a.m., on November 23, 1998, 
and it's been quite the ride for you and your wife, Annette, since that time. Yes, it has. Um, Our life has changed drastically. You know, I was in the real estate business for 35 years with my own company, and uh, when we told one person and it spread from there, we began getting invited all over the country, and so we've left our careers, both of us, and we're full-time traveling, speaking in the ministry. So it's been a big change for us, and it was not an easy change to walk away from our careers, and we had really good incomes. But it's been a blessing because we've seen so many people, there's their eyes open to the truth of the gospel. You know, and if I can just influence one person to avoid this horrible place, then it's worth any inconvenience I would ever feel sharing this experience. Okay, Bill. For those that were not able to listen to part one, can you just please recap your experience very briefly, and then let's talk about some of the questions you were most asked about what hell is and what it isn't. All right. Well, first of all, this was not a near-death experience. This was a vision and where I I was taken out of my body and traveled to hell. Um, The Lord took me there and showed me this place. There's prison cells, uh, refuge stone walls, bars, there's demonic creatures that can torment you in hell. They have an extreme hatred for you. Uh, it is so dark in hell. It was only light with God's presence, but then he re- withdrew his light, and it resumed its normal state of absolute pitch-black darkness. I saw, though, through the flames of the fire in this big pit, I could just see people inside this pit burning, screaming. It's so loud and deafening. The smell, the stench is so foul. It's toxic. There's not enough air to breathe in hell. Uh, You're exhausted. You never get to sleep in hell. You have no purpose, no destiny. You're not with any friends. You're completely isolated and alone. You're hungry. You're thirsty. You don't ever get a drop of water and so forth. So these are the things that you have to experience in hell, and this is for all eternity, and you understand you're never, ever going to get out. And you said you were not able to call out to Jesus because God allowed you to be, quote, an unbeliever or in an unbelieving state so you didn't even have the mind to ask for help is that right right I was there as an unsafe person would be uh, I understood I was lost forever I'll never get out and um, that's he wanted me to experience that hopeless feeling that the people have there you see if I was there as a Christian which I was but he blocked it from my mind he hid it from me then I would have known praise God he's getting me out of here I would have never known that hopelessness and you know, uh, Jensen, in life, all of us have hope. Even if your situation is terrible, you can always die to get out of it. But in hell, you understand you're never going to get out. Isaiah thirty-eight eighteen says, Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for thy truth. We know Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He is the truth. There's no way out of this place. You have to know Jesus. And I understood that as an unsaved person. Now, you became saved at the moment that Jesus wanted you to know who he was so you could call out to him so he could bring you back to life so you could share your story. Is that correct? Well, I was saved already for 28 years as a Christian, so I was already saved. He just placed it back in my mind that I was saved. He had blocked it from me. There's scripture for this, Luke 24:16, John 20:14, Luke 18:34, and so forth that explains situations like that where God hid something from someone's mind and that was what he did he hid it from my mind but I was a Christian already otherwise I wouldn't be getting out of this place I was already saved he just placed the pick in my mind and again so I could have experienced the hopelessness but when he did I was so grateful that I was a Christian already 
and I began having these thoughts, and he was answering my thoughts. And I thought, Lord, I don't want to tell anybody about this experience. They're going to think I'm crazy or had a bad dream. And he said, it's not your job to convict their hearts. It's the Holy Spirit. You just go and tell them. And in your book, you say that the message of your book is not a condemning one, but it's one to warn the people. And when you asked the Lord, Lord, why did you send me there? His response to you was what? He said, because many people do not believe hell is real. He said, even some of my own people do not believe hell exists. Now, that statement surprised me. Again, I thought all Christians believe in hell, but we have found out many Christians don't. There's been many articles in the paper, many churches that have downplayed hell, that say that it's annihilationism, which is a teaching that says you simply cease to exist if you deny Jesus, or universalism that says you, you're all saved. None of that's true. Hell is a permanent place. Jesus said in Matthew 25:46, These shall go into everlasting life, and these shall go into everlasting punishment. And in the same word, everlasting, just as heaven is everlasting, so is hell everlasting. Why do you think a lot of churches today are not talking about hell? Well, I think because it, they don't really have the answers. It comes across so harsh, and people think it sounds unreasonable. How can a loving God let people suffer for all eternity? So they'd rather just avoid the topic altogether or downplay it to try to justify, oh, see, God is a loving God. And it's just simply a misunderstanding. Yes, God is loving. He's 100% love but he's also 100% just, and sin has to be paid for, but he took the punishment out for sin on Jesus. But if people deny Jesus as their Savior, well, then they have to take the punishment, and it's for all eternity. Exactly, and the Bible does state that the wages of sin are death. It also says that God is not willing that any should perish. So it makes sense to me uh, that a loving God would allow someone to experience what you experienced so you could know the gravity of it and the importance of it as an already Christian for many, many, many years before that. Some would have considered you to be a great guy with a great wife and a great job and a great life, and why would God send someone like you there? But, right. Bill, I, I want to get to some of the most common questions that you are asked about what it was like to be in hell and for people that may not believe there is a hell. Can you right. talk a little bit about that and what your answer is? Well, I know a lot of people don't want to believe in a literal hell, but, you know, the Bible talks about it. There's 250 verses about hell. Jesus mentioned it 46 times, and 18 of the verses he mentioned are about the fires of hell. So he's, it is a message of warning. You know, like you said, it's not a message of condemnation. It's simply a loving message, a message of warning. You know, what loving parent wouldn't warn their child not to play in a busy street? That's what God's doing. He's given us a warning. But hell exists, and why it's so terrible. First of all, it was prepared for the devil and his angels. He never intended for man to go to this place. But he gives man a free will and a choice. He tells him clearly how to stay out of hell. But if man says, I don't believe you, I don't believe you, God, I don't believe your word, he says then in Revelation 21.8, all unbelievers shall have their part in the lake of fire. So he doesn't send you there your own words condemn you. You know, Jesus said, your own words will condemn you. So it's people saying, no, I don't believe the Bible. Well, he's given so many warnings to stay out, but the reason it's so terrible is because God simply withdrew his attributes. He withdrew his goodness. You see, every good and perfect gift comes down from above. So all the good things we enjoy in life come from God, James 1.17 says. So God simply withdrew his goodness, his attributes. Hell's dark because First John 1.5 said God is light. There's only death in hell because John 1, 4 said God is life. There's only hatred in hell because 1 John 4, 16 said God is love. 
there's no mercy in hell because Psalms 36, 5 said the mercy of the Lord is in the heavens. There's no strength in hell because Psalms 18, 32 said it's the Lord that gives us strength. And there's no water in hell because Deuteronomy 11, 11 says water is the rain of heaven. You see, so if God removes himself from the situation, all the good goes with him. You can't separate the good from God. So see, so if you want, if you're a person that says, I don't want anything to do with God, there is a place prepared that has nothing to do with him. Wow. So that's why hell is so terrible, because he's withdrawn his goodness. The goodness we enjoy in life on the earth here all comes from God. Psalms 33, 5 says, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. So you get to enjoy God's blessings here, but after, if you deny him after this life is over, then there is a place prepared that has nothing to do with him. But he doesn't want anyone to go there. But because he loves man so much, he gives him that free will and a choice. Do you believe his words or do you not? It's up to you to, to believe him. And Jesus made it so clear. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So there's only one way. And I know that's unpopular to hear that there's only one way to heaven. But the scripture's really clear on that. And I could give an analogy there if this might help. Do we have time to give you a quick, short analogy? Yes, please do. Because people think that's unreasonable to say there's only one way. But, you know, it's like, um, uh, Jensine, if you invited me over to dinner and you said, Bill, I want you to go south on Highway 95, turn right at Main Street, go up the hill, you'll come to my house. That's the only way to my house. And I say to you, you know what, I think I'm going to go north on 95. I'm going to get off at Beach Boulevard because I think all roads lead to your house. Well, you're going to tell me, Bill, you're not going to get to my house. The same way God gives us clear directions to his house. I think God knows where he lives. All we have to do is follow his clear directions, we will get there. That's not being narrow-minded. He's being specific. He's trying to get us to his house, not keep us out. Exactly, and that's a great analogy. In your book, 23 Minutes in Hell, Bill, you talked about the fact that God confirmed to you your own experience from those that had similar experiences. Yeah, there's been many different uh, situations God has caused me to come across to confirm this. But one was I spoke at a Russian church, and um, one of the elders of the church, who was very, very old, came shuffling forward at the end, and he raised his cane in front of the people and said, this is the man I've been telling you about. Well, I didn't know what he was talking about because he spoke in Russian. And afterwards it was explained to me that he was in World War II, and he died in uh, Auschwitz, one of the camps. He was a Russian Jew, and he was thrown into the uh, ovens, and he died. Someone pulled him out and resuscitated him. Well, during the time he was dead, he went to hell, and he wrote a book about what he saw in hell. And he prayed that someday God would raise up someone that would confirm what he saw. And he'd been praying this since World War II. And then I came forward and, and confirmed the same things he saw. So he had said, you know, finally God sent me this person before I died. So it was a very humbling, you know, situation to be in. But um, there's been many confirmations such as that and many others. Well, Bill, I, I want to thank you for being with us today on Testimony. Unfortunately, we're out of time, and I would love to have you come back and share a little bit of, more about your amazing book, 23 Minutes in Hell, ladies and gentlemen, Bill Weiss. You can learn more about his amazing ministry by going to www.23minutesinhell.com. Real quick, five seconds, what does someone need to do to stay out of hell? Repent, Luke 13, 3. Repent and receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That is the only way to stay out. God loves you, and he doesn't want you to go there. Thank you, Bill. God bless you. God bless you, Jensine. Thank you for having me. If you would like more information, 
You can visit our website at jensinebard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. Or write to us at Testimony, P.O. Box 1333, Palm Desert, California, 92261. That's P.O. Box 1333, Palm Desert, California, 92261. I'm Jensine Bard. Please join us again for testimony.